the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. another episode of the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. My name is Edwin Herman and this is episode 268 for the week commencing Monday the 31st of March 2014. I'm joined over Skype by Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Howdy. Brett, was your weekend all right? Uh, busy. Busy weekend? Yep. Well, you know, busy weekends can be good, but busy weekends can also be bad. Did you have one of the good busy ones or the bad busy ones? Somewhere in between. Do you want to share with us anything you did? Fussing around with getting cleaners in, etc. Oh, okay. Are you selling up? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're um, selling up this. Getting it ready. Oh, yes, I can see. Yeah, it's that kind of busy. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, at least it's progress, though, isn't it? That's the way to look at it. Indeed. It's been a very, very quiet week. Nothing earth-shattering or anything like that. So first of all, though, for completeness, let's just mention that Microsoft has now officially announced Office for iPad. It's official. Indeed. Yeah. But look, look, Microsoft's really excited about it. I've seen the short demo of it. And, you know, look, from, from the short bit I saw, I think it is just fantastic. I really do think... They have done, as they've said, they've made it for iPad. They haven't just taken Office and recompiled it for the, you know, for iOS. They've actually designed it from the ground up for iPad. For a touch interface, yeah. Well, for, yeah, for a touch interface. Well, well, I say, said iPad, and I actually meant that as well, because things like uh, AirDrop, for example, it supports AirDrop. Mm-hmm. That's all built in. So it's got the iPad. Well, obviously, it would have to take advantage of the, the features that are offered in the iPad devices. And in this particular deployment, they, for instance, wouldn't have to bother with anything which allowed you to drag and drop to a USB device or anything like that because it doesn't have that capability. So, yes, in that aspect, they have tailored it quite specifically to the iOS device. But I think the the core... The touch interface, the touch interaction with it is is what they could and will transfer across to other touch devices if they bring it across. It is that user interface, that, that feel and experience interacting with the program. Yeah, the, you're right. I mean, the, the, there's a whole bunch the of... Part of... Yeah, it. no, you're right. You're absolutely right. They've done a really, really, really good job. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, uh, I, I can't I wait to too. use it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to having better com- cross-compatibility between desktop and um, tablet devices. And, you know, the other thing that they've mentioned as well in their announcement is that we can look forward to more Microsoft products for iPad as well as more products for other plat- mobile platforms as well. I think that kind of means Android. Indeed. Well, Microsoft isn't just Windows anymore. Microsoft has a suite of successful other software applications that just so happen to have currently only worked 
mainly for Windows. But they, yeah, they, they see the, the benefit of taking those popular software packages and porting them and redesigning them to work on as many different sorts of devices as you, you can. It's the, the way to get your software out there. And they're, you know, they're kind of taking that, that stance for it now instead of being the, we made this software, it's for our environment. Are you surprised, though, that they released Office for iPad before Android? Uh, not really. But isn't Android a bigger market? It is, but Android isn't, well, how, how to put it? In the public mind, whether or not in the public pocket, which is a completely different thing, but in the public mind and in the public media, iPad and Apple come up more often than Android. Probably because the stories tie back directly to a company, whereas Android devices are... There's lots of hardware manufacturers. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of exactly. devices, yeah. But, yeah, maybe Apple has a, a more is shinier. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean in terms of brand reputation. Maybe. I, had, I hadn't also, thought of it. I still... you know, and also when you're thinking about the, the juxtaposition, you know, the opposite ends of the spectrum. Apple and iOS is kind of further away in that spectrum than Android devices are. So if they aimed for the furthest away and got that, nailed that perfectly, it'd be a lot easier to transition that to the middle ones. The other thing is that iOS users do, uh, you know, stats show that they tend to spend more than Android users. Well, but indeed, because they have to. <laughs> well, no, I don't think that's the case. But um, and they use their devices well, no, more on the web. You want really good stuff. You're going to be hard. You're going to be hard pressed to find really good stuff for free on iOS. But there's way more. There's, there's way more software for iOS. Uh, indeed. But the, the light versions of things are really light. And so if you want a full thing, you're, you're committed to pay. See, because I, I, I think what, what I was going to say was, of course, they, the stats show that they, they spend more money than Android users. They spend more time on the web than Android users. I still don't know that it would offset the huge market share that Android has. And that's why I'm actually a little surprised, really, that Microsoft didn't go for Android first. I can the, see I can see the logic in going for iOS first because once they've got something that's made it on that platform, it should pretty much be a piece of cake to port it to Android. Well, whichever way, I'm, I'm really excited about the, uh, the new offering. I'm looking forward to it. I will definitely be installing the Office app. I'll be using it as well, absolutely. Definitely. All right, Brad, one other story, and this is really all I had this week. It's been a very, very quiet week. Uh, it, it, just an interesting trend that has been noticed, and that is with software as a service, you know, cloud services being more and more common these days and being more and more the, uh, the first choice for a lot of organizations, what they're finding is now IT departments are often being sidelined. They're being, or they're being downsized because, and I've seen this as well in organizations that I've worked with, where, you know, you, you go for a software as a service option and your IT department doesn't really need to get involved at all. Indeed. Uh, it's an interesting trend. And I thought, well, you know. Uh, it is an interesting trend. It's, it's got a lot of pros and cons to it. 
when you, you know, it's got a lot of business pros, um, cost cutting, passing the buck risk-wise, which as we know is, is big in business when you can pass the buck for something failing <laughs> to a service that is being provided to you and not a part of your own organization. That's significantly easier to on-sell than if it's a failing in your own departments. That's my pessimistic view. But yeah, it's a, it's a perfectly legitimate thing, you know, being able to offset those costs and offset that risk as being a, it's a risk on someone else. And if that's service provider fails to provide, then you can shift to a different service provider relatively easily. So it's got benefits in that way. On the flip side of that, though, is the amount of offshoring of all of those data services, which does mean that the actual employment and job market for real physical people also changes quite drastically. Yeah, that's right. And that means you get a lot of you know, a lot of IT department layoffs. And, yeah. <laughs> I think the, the thing is we're going to get, you know, the, the IT we do locally is going to change slightly uh, a little mm. bit. You know, we, we're not going to be looking after, you know, maintaining servers and all that sort of stuff. We're going to be, I think, uh, doing more, perhaps you could say more value-added tasks, more specialised, you know, uh, more specialised geared towards the business type of activities rather than the sort of well, mundane yeah, it's, it's, keep a server running sort of thing. And, and it also, it, it, as you said as well, from the business side, it makes sense as well. I mean, why run a half a dozen email servers when you can outsource your email? Indeed, indeed. But you also then have to balance that. And the smaller the business, the easier it is to balance this sort of thing with the fact that if all of your email is handled by an offsite and that offsite goes down for whatever reason or you're connection to that offsite goes down for whatever reason, all of your service disappears. Yeah, no, that you're right. Yeah, absolutely right. I, I think it suffice to say, though, these days, networks and connectivity and whatnot is a lot more robust, a lot more stable than it ever was. Oh, it is. Was. It is. Definitely, definitely. Uh, which is why when it does go down, and it does still go down, it makes headlines. Yeah, that's right. Because it's Yahoo, uh, down for yeah. blah many days. <laughs> that's right thingy down for blah many hours that's lost money to yeah to people yeah so yeah i think a lot of that could be offset by once again thinking of redundancy just because you're off-siting to a service provision doesn't mean you shouldn't think about maybe i should off-site to multiple mm, well that's actually a very good point the thing is, you know, I, I think what the thing, the pro that, if you like, the posit- the two positives I take f- from this is the, obviously the cost, that's a no-brainer. The second one being what I touched on earlier, and that is that IT departments can now focus on that higher level, the higher ends of the pyramid, you know, the <clears> more specialised, more uh, tasks that are more uh, geared towards the business's strategic goals, the, all those sorts of things, rather than your sort of base level transactional IT stuff. Why? Why do you know? So rather than I, what I'm, I guess, what I'm saying is that ideally, it'd be nice rather to, than lay, laying off staff, is that you redeploy them in new areas and really focus for that real sort of cutting business edge technology. I don't mean uh, I don't mean the latest technology. I just mean what's going to drive your business. You know, specific solutions that's going to drive your business further. The the smarter stuff, if you like. 
Mm. So I think that's that. You know, those two pros. I I think are yeah. You know, and th- this is it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's only really started turning. You know, from way back when IT became IT in organizations, uh, you know, it, it sort of grew and grew and it's always been growing ever since, you know, we've been doing more and more and now the tide is turning and uh, a lot of stuff uh, we're, we're not doing in, uh, in-house anymore. Yeah. I, I think the only time, actually, the only, I, I correct that actually, the only time I think the, where that tide turned a little as well was with in-house development. That seemed to sort of go about 10 or 15 years ago. You may recall back in the 90s, there was a lot of in-house development in organizations the early 2000s as well mm-hmm. there's there seems to be less of that less focus on that now yeah uh, well yeah well there's less there's less focus on that in-house but it does seem that the the, the tide is once again shifting back to that develop that that personalized you know development but the personalized development is being is being off-sited to a service so the business is contracting a service and that service is developing the software. So it's still coming in as But just not in-house, yeah. It's still happening. software, but yeah. it's not being developed in-house. It is a business contracting a software development service uh, yes, to yes, develop yes. a software application yep. for us, not a going to a, you know, a buying an off-the-shelf. Mm, that's right, yep. So interesting trends. I, I thought, uh, you know, this is really, uh, a, you know, the turning point, I think, in, in the way we run IT at the moment. And it's going to just go that way more and more over the next few years. And, you know, Indeed. I've worked with a number Indeed of Indeed it is. There are going to be some great news stories from, you know, uh, things occurring in different software as a service solutions and offsite stuff, which uh, is going to be interesting to watch. You know, I, I'm, I'm a massive pessimist. For a lot of things, and yeah, I, I see, I see interesting stories in the future of organisations that relied too heavily on Dropbox or some other online thing without thinking about the security of their data, and suddenly those services get hacked. All of the stuff is gone, and their entire customer database, which was kept in this cloud service, is available on WARE sites. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's always that risk, but I I think also it's it's becoming harder to maintain security in house as well. And there's a there's a good argument to be made that the big boys of tech are far better at it than any organization's own technical staff ever would be. I would beg to differ in a lot of things because you know the the things that we see on the news about the big privacy breaches, the big data hackings are always the big boys. They're the big targets, but not only that, they're generally the ones which go, well, we've got 100,000 users. Do we really need to put all this time into encrypting that stuff? Yeah, but I think part of what you, uh, I think the clue is in, in what you said. We hear about them because they are the big boys of tech. Whereas are you really going to hear about Acme Limited with, you know, 50 employees in Wellington, New Zealand, who, who's had a data breach, you're not going to really hear that as much. And I, I think that's part of the thing. Well, I, number one, they run their own because IT. they're probably not worth hacking. So most hackers wouldn't bother spending their time on them unless there was something really juicy there for them to get. And, yeah, that's kind of – if there was something like that, then we would have heard it through the community. It's like the, the different hacking communities are not super secret about 
you know, holding back on their big ja- their big jobs, the big things which get them noticed. Hmm, that's true. I know what you're saying. The big the big boys are bigger targets. As Indeed, well. but, and they're uh, also yeah, look, because they are the big boys. They have so many different links in the cogs which turn to make their you know IT machinery work that there are so many points of failure, points of uh, a developer leaving a debug toggle left on for a deployment of something. Yeah, but that can uh, equally happen with the in-house team. And, and you can- oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen. All I'm going is I'm giving you a counter to the fact that you said because they're big and that's what they do, they'd be better at doing it. They're not. That's what I'm saying. They're not any better at doing it. They're just as flawed as doing it in-house. <laughs> But it means that the business that is contracting that other business to provide a service can pass the buck for the risk. And that is the, 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 the core point for that and the core selling point for that, for the... Mm. Look, the I, I don't know. I think we'd have to agree to disagree. I, I really do think, you know, if, if I was a new business, I'd be keen security-wise to contract them the big boys where, where applicable because that, that way I don't need to reinvent security best practice in my in-house team. Mm. I think maintaining your own security practices is core to keeping your IP safe. I would not trust any cloud service, whether it be Microsoft, Apple, Dropbox, any of the many third-party cloud-based storage services. I would still add an extra local encryption site to that if I was to store any data there because I would not trust (laughs) my customer information or my IP data into a system which I was not guaranteed was secure. Well, I suppose you did admit that you are a massive pessimist, so I am. <laughs> that kind of goes in hand in hand with it. <laughs> but anyway, look, Brett, I don't know. It only it, takes one breach to bring a business down. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I know it does, I, but I, I really... Yeah. And we're not talking about that big boy provider being the business that's brought down. No, We're talking it's, it's, about it's, the business that had big, stored all of its IP yep. in that big boy yep. <laughs> that is brought down by having mm. their IP stolen. Well, anyway, I think we're in for interesting times. There's definitely a, uh, a sort of a paradigm shift going on at the moment, and I, I think it's going to continue over, over the oh, years, yeah. good or bad. Yeah, yeah it's and, definitely going to continue. And, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens. definitely got some significant benefits for business. And there are different opportunities for those who see where they can provide a a software as a service or a a service as a service, <laughs> taking away from what a company might have had to do in-house previously and fit themselves into that niche. I, I see a lot of development in that. We will see a lot of that. It's in some cases a good thing. And not in all cases is it a good thing because I think, once again, being my my pessimistic view and as I said about protecting your own business and your own customers and your own client data and your own IP data you can't devolve that element away that element of protection away to the providers that you have signed up to provide you with the service because they don't care about your data Uh, they care about you paying for your subscriptions to them Mm. Um, well I I think I think hang on there's a reputation protection yourself yeah but Brett there's a reputation they have to uphold so I think they do care about your data not in the same way it's sort of a you know for them for their own for themselves if you like you could call it selfish they care about your data because their reputation would be ruined and they would be toast and and that's why they care about your data so uh, I don't they've got to because that's their business Brett right unless no 
their business, a lot of these places, their business is purely to provide, we provide cloud storage. You can store your stuff with us. No, no, well, of, you're talking about cloud I've storage. Asked, I'm talking about software as a service. about not store, wouldn't have anything in there which says about if something gets hacked or whatever, your stuff is protected under encryption or whatever, whatever. Most of them wouldn't have anything like that. No, no, I'm not talking about just a storage system, Brad. I'm not talking about a storage system. I'm talking about software as a service. So your accounting is done online. Your email is through a, a client that connects to offshore servers. Your performance development system is all online through it. Through you know, that's what I'm talking about. Not not a storage thing like Dropbox or Amazon. Or, all, all those well, principles apply. Again, but the point I, I'm I, the point I'm making is that. They do care because that is their business is to is to sell that service to customers. That's their business. If they are perceived as have as being at risk, if such as if there's an adverse event that takes place, their reputation is history, and therefore their business will take a take a dive, a massive dive. So I do think they care massively. You could say it's selfish, caring, but but they do care because because they've got their <laughs> I, reputation uh, uphold. I think they would somewhat care about attempting to mitigate any of that fallout, but I don't think they care as much as you wish they would care. Yeah, yeah, I can accept that. I can accept that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brett. Look, let's leave that story there. Uh, that's pretty much the show. That's all. That's really all I had. There was nothing. You know, earth shattering this this week. I'm afraid, uh, unless I've been living under a rock, really, and I've just missed something. But that was it. Unless there's anything you want to add to the uh, no to the discussion. It's been incredibly boring attack. Yeah, it has. you've been having a look too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I, I no one's know. doing it's anything at the moment. It's, um, yeah, where's the cool stuff? Where's the cool stuff that's going on now? It's just well, a boring implementation of stuff that was developed like a decade ago. Well, there are weeks like that, Brett, and so hopefully next week or the next couple of weeks will bring us something more interesting. But hey, look, let, let's leave it there. Uh, I want to thank you very and much. As long as it's not another damn watch, I'm overwatches. <laughs> I'm not doing any more stories. I'm overwatches and over oh, internet TV applications yep. or devices. Yep. Come on. <laughs> me too, me too. I, I yeah, <laughs> the watch thing especially. I'm I'm so with you on that. I'm so over smart watches right now. So anyway, Brett, look, I want to thank you very much for co-hosting. It's always a pleasure to disagree and argue waffle. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Indeed. That, <laughs> thank you, Brett. That is episode two hundred and sixty-eight of the Voice of Tech. I want to thank you uh, for listening. Uh, see you again next week. Till then, take care. Goodbye. Bye bye.